Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We've been in existence for 16 years now, and back in 2014, um, I was at home on an early Sunday morning, earlier than normal for me on a Sunday morning even, even though we were doing multiple services and I usually get up early, it was even earlier, the Lord woke me up and gave me this concept, and I called a couple members of our staff, and I said, we got to get together. We got together right down here at McDonald's at MacArthur uh, and partook of manna, uh, and then I shared with them what God was saying to us, and honestly, the series that I preached out of that in about, I think it was a six-week series, if I'm not mistaken. I'm still not sure how we did it that quick. Probably shouldn't have done it that quick, Um, but I shared with them this concept of climate change, preached a series, um, I would submit to you that that series probably helped us turn a corner as a congregation uh, on what we were going to pursue and how we were going to act and how we were going to behave and believe. And so finally, 10 years later, believe it or not, I finished the book and these are available to you out in the lobby. I encourage you to pick it up, especially if you haven't been with us, because it will help you understand what we're trying to accomplish, I think. And uh, I was able to flesh some things out in more detail than you can in a sermon. And so uh, finally, after 10 years. I'm, I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on, I hope. So anyway, uh, those are available. A couple, one other thing I just want to say to you is um, if you've been with us, then you also know that over the course of our existence, especially in the last five to seven years, the topic that we're dealing with, I have, I have preached about a lot. Uh, sermons series, uh, you can find these online if you want to catch up because some of the stuff I'll mention to you today, you're going to have to catch up. Um, one of the sermon series we did was called Civil Wars, How to Fight Fair. Another one was um, offense, defense, and we laid out a lot of this stuff in detail. But uh, So I just want you to go back and do some homework and, and maybe catch up so you'll understand why, why we're approaching this subject again. I know you didn't know this, but I know you're going to be extremely excited once I tell you what I'm getting ready to do. You're going to be as pumped probably as you've ever been to come to church. You're going to think, man, if all Sundays to get to come to church, this was the most important Sunday of my life. Because what I want to do is I want to take just a few moments here and I want to give you a deer hunting lesson, deer hunting 101. Now, if you don't know, your pastor, one founding pastor loves to deer hunt. And so if you don't care about this, you can't be a part of I'm playing. Uh, uh, but I, I want to give you this. This will change your life. This is deer hunting 101. Are you ready? Here it is. Deer will take the path of least resistance. Okay, so the reason that's important, uh, because we're not out there trying to take pictures of deer, we're out there to harvest the deer so that we can eat the deer. Some of y'all are, are offended already because you're like a vegetarian. My food eats what you eat, all right? Uh, uh, so we want to direct them to certain gaps, all right? Thank you, Jesus. Some backstrap with some wrap, wrapped in bacon is just like the holy, okay. Anyway, um, so, so what you can do is, uh, because deer are hard to harvest, you you, especially like if you're using a bow, if you're a real man, use a bow. Um, uh, see, some of you are even offended now. Uh, so so uh, you can take branches and brush, you cut it down, and you can fill in gaps between the trees and force the deer, because they like to take the path of least resistance, force them, here, offense again, here we go, into your shooting lane so that you have an opportunity. 
Why do you think in the state of Oklahoma, here's another lesson, you can use a feeder. Why do you think deer would opt, rather than digging around in the woods for acorns and plants, why do you think they would march them little, their little selves, hopefully big selves, right out of the woods into a plain open view to get corn that's laying all over the ground? It's the path of least resistance. They enjoy that. So I bring this hunting lesson to you free of charge not only to improve your possibilities of getting a deer this coming season, but also because I am convinced that too many of us who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior and as our King, as the ruling authority of our lives, the one, we say it like this, he sits on the throne of our life. He's our boss. He's, he's the one that we're supposed to follow after, right? I am convinced that many of us who do that, who claim Christ, who say we know Christ, that we are the followers of Christ, what we do is we act like deer. We often choose the easier paths rather than the ones that he commanded us to take. We choose the path of least resistance. We choose the ones, the paths that seem to cost us nothing. We, we, we choose the ones that make it easier for us. We choose the ones where we don't actually have to do what Jesus told us we would have to do, which is to crucify our flesh. It's still in there, y'all. I know you don't like that page in the Bible, but the truth is still in there. Jesus said that the path that we're supposed to take as followers of, of him is this. We crucify our flesh, not every once in a while. Not once a month, not once every six months, not once a year. We are to crucify our flesh daily and follow him. That, that, that forces us to do this. And we certainly don't like this. It forces us to give up our personal rights. As American Christians, we don't like that concept. The only problem with is American Christianity will not work in every culture. And so if it won't work in every culture, it's not the gospel. Ooh, Okay. That came right back at to me, uh, back at me. I'm just telling you that as Americans, we we want our personal rights. I've got the right. Jesus tells us that we don't have any rights once we are dead in Him. Ooh, okay. Maybe I should just dismiss and tell you, sing kumbaya. And tell, I'm just telling you right now, your Christianity trumps your American citizenship. You are the citizen of a different kingdom first. Okay. okay. All right, thought I was in the right place. Uh, here's the problem. It's, this idea of, of, of going the path of least resistance is never more true than the area and the arena of dealing with offense. See, we know as followers of Christ that we're, we're supposed to know how to handle offense. In fact, we even know the posture that we should take when we're offended. I, I know we don't like this passage either, but here's the posture of offense. We turn the other cheek. Okay, so, so that's the posture we're supposed to take. Most of us, and if you don't know this, then I encourage you to go read to Matthew chapter 18. Most of us, even though the procedures we're supposed to take when we're offended, Jesus gives us a step-by-step -step manual on what we're supposed to do when we're offended. We know that. The, we even know the safeguards that we're supposed to take that will help us to stay unoffended. Pastor John mentioned it last week. He said it like this. We're supposed to deal with the false narratives, the fairy tales in our head and stop thinking about that stuff and we won't be offended. Paul said it like this in the New Testament. He said, this is, this is, this is our obligation. He says, take captive every vain imagination. 
In other words, Paul, he thought Pastor John had a good idea or the other way around that, that, that he knew this, that we are responsible for taking God, for wrestling to the ground. Every false narrative that the enemy tries to put into our mind so that it won't rule and reign and run our thought life. That is also true in the area of offense. Because how many of you know that the spirit of offense gives you a certain gift? There's a gift that comes along with having the spirit of, an, of offense in your life. You hear things that were never said. That is the gift the spirit of offense places in your life and in your heart is you have the ability to suddenly hear things that nobody ever said. They're thinking, they talking about me. They're, they're gossiping about me. They ain't talking about you. They ain't even thinking about you. But the spirit of offense will rise up in you and give you that ability. Now I'm hearing stuff that wasn't even true. Paul says we're supposed to wrestle all that stuff to the ground and make it submissive to Christ. But for some reason, when it comes to this area and the area of offense, for some reason, we choose to take the, the, the path of least resistance. So what we do is we take the easy way out. And what we do is we grin and we bear it and then we share it. Yeah. That, that's how most of us operate with offense. We act like it didn't happen. We bear up under and then ultimately we share it. The worst offense to get over is a shared offense. Boy, oh man. So instead of going to God, we go to Facebook. Don't look at me like that. I'm just telling you right now, you may not even agree with this, but you're going to have to get over it. Be offended at me if you want to. You, 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 you won't want to be after I finish. Uh, but I've had to go onto my Facebook feed. It's my page. They don't have the right to hijack my page. I don't have to look at their page. I've had to delete people. Because if I don't, it will set up a spirit of offense. In me. Okay, man, y'all are quiet this morning. We want to spread offense to others. And so this is what we do. We post it. We plot about it. We plot revenge. We avoid. We exit relationship. And here's one of the reasons why. In, in, uh, in our society, in the American society especially, we have begun to operate and believe that this is normal and acceptable. When I was growing up, we used to say this, that the national pastor, y'all weren't ready for me this morning. I'm the hammer. I know I am, but I'm going to bring it. Here we go. And I, I, growing up, we would say stuff like this. The national pastime of America was baseball. That's no longer true. The national pastime in America is being ticked off. That's it. We are mad at everything and everybody. We are protesting everything. We're arguing. We are the most argumentative, angry society on the planet. That's our pastime. And we won't stop and remember that Jesus taught us that we are to be countercultural. We're not supposed to operate like the rest of society. But since it's easier to go along with the path that culture's mapped out for us, we choose to go that way instead of going the way that Jesus mapped out for us. So rather than actually dealing with offense, what we do is we harbor it and we constantly think about it. And here's the killer part. All the while thinking that we're escaping without any implications or any ramifications for our choice. Okay, it's going to get tight. Say, go ahead, touch your neighbor, tell him, buckle up, buttercup, because it's just going it's to get tight up in here. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it to Pastor John to come back next week, next week and tell you how pretty and nice you are. I'm just going to lay it on the line and just tell you how to, how to cow eat the cabbage, all right? Uh, so that's old West Oklahoma. Y'all don't know. Okay. 
Uh, I went from deer hunting to talking about cows eating cabbage. I don't know what, what, what's going on here. So here, here's the problem. We think we escape any damage by harboring a fence. Here's the problem. There is a problem. There is a major problem. The major problem is God's word. That's the problem. If it wasn't for his word, we could take the path of least resistance, but his word doesn't let us off the hook. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. He, has, he is obligated to go by what he has said. In fact, scripture tells us that God will actually guard his word to perform his word. He watches over it to bring it to bear in his life. Y'all want to amen that real quick? Because you're not going to want to amen here in a minute. Okay. All right. I got an amen. Thank you, Jesus. So here we go. Let's read some Bible. I found some scripture. The Lord led me some scripture. And it talks about Passion Church. Right in the scripture. It says it. It says, and the Lord said to Passion Church. Not really. Okay, but it does talk about us. Listen to what he says. In Isaiah chapter 58, the, the prophet Isaiah is having an, a discussion with God. God is downloading a word to the people of Passion. I mean, the people of Israel. And he says it like this. See if this doesn't sound like us. See, just see. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Tell my people of their sins. Yet they act so past. They Listen, they come to temple every day and they are so delighted to hear the reading of my laws. These people are passion people. They like good preaching. That's what it says. They're so delighted to hear the reading of my laws just as though they would obey them, just as, low, as though they don't despise the commandments of their God. How anxious they are. Here it is, we're passionate. How anxious they are to worship correctly. I want all the notes right. I want the lyrics right on the screen. I want to feel his presence. Just reading scripture. Y'all are all uptight. How he's talking about us, how anxious they are to worship correctly. Oh, how they love the temple services. Then they say to him, we have fasted before you. These folks are radical. They love good church services. They will get up on a rainy cold Sunday morning, fight the kids and the cat, get in the car, come to church and worship the paint off the wall. Man, the drums hit, the bass hits, and I am ready to worship. Let's work. I'll come out on an off night, on a Wednesday night when I'm used to, to taking a nap in my recliner. I will make my way to Passion Church and have an encounter with Jesus. I love some good preaching. Open up that word, Pastor. Give me some word. Preach me some word. Let's get some good word. I will, I will even participate in a called fast. 21 days with no Dr. Pepper. I'm about to die. 21 days with no chocolate. My world is coming to an end. 21 days with no TV, no radio, no internet. I had to fast Facebook 21 days. But I love it because I want to experience his presence. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's about us. It's about us. And the prophet assures us, I mean them, that God recognizes their sincere desire and attempt to worship. He even says that he sees their love for their church services. But then we have to keep reading. 
because those people that loved worship services and loved fasting and loved reading his word and hearing good preaching, they begin to ask God some questions. They say this to him, why aren't you impressed? Why don't you see our sacrifices? Why don't you hear our prayers? We have done much penance. I gave up my Dr. Pepper and you didn't even notice it. I used to get on Facebook 45,000 times a day. I haven't been on it in 20, 21 days and you don't even notice it. Why? And God answers. And he says, I'll tell you why. Because you are living in evil pleasure even while you're fasting and you keep right on impressing your workers. Look, listen, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? Listen to this. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Think about the implications and the ramifications of this passage. Isaiah shows us the cost of taking the path of least resistance in the area and the arena of offense. When we are unwilling to stop fighting and when we're unwilling to stop quarreling and when we're willing to walk around carrying offense instead of choosing to live unoffended, the cost is, here it is, I don't like it any more than you do, but can I help you this morning? Can I help me this morning? Here's the cost. All the church services that you attend, all the prayers that you pray, all the meals that you skipped in a called fast, all the worship services where you sang your songs whether you liked them or not and you sang your guts out and you danced yourself into a sweat, Isaiah and God says none of it counts it's all for naught doesn't matter a lick, do your church thing come and praise the paint off the wall but he says because you're still operating in the spirit of offense it was a waste of time. I'm going to say something you won't ever hear another preacher probably say. Some of us should have skipped church this morning. Because we're walking with offense in our heart and because we are, according to God's word, it's a waste of time. It was a social club meeting. You should have gone to the Lions Club. Okay. Isaiah says that all of it goes completely unnoticed. None of it moves or impresses God simply because the offense that we have embraced and refused to deal with becomes offensive to God. So sing for freedom all you want to. We just finished a freedom series. Sing for it all you want to. Pray for freedom all you want to. Fast for freedom all you want to. Preach about freedom all you want to. None of it matters. If you're living offended, here's the challenge. Here's the problem. Here's the, here's the issue. Pastor John read it to us last week. Jesus makes it clear. Pastor John read it from, from the whole thing. I'm just going to read the first part. Too. He made it clear that Jesus says this to his disciples. It is impossible. Listen, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Absolutely impossible. So let me help you. If you've never been offended, hang on. It's coming, baby. There's going to come a moment in your experience, even following Jesus, where you're going to be offended. Some of you are offended at me right now because you can't handle it this strong. I'm just telling you, there's going to be, it's inevitable. You're going to be offended. So if offenses are inevitable, how do we live unoffended? Two things real quick and then I'll get out of your way. 
Number one, we become unoffendable when we learn to live unsurprised. You say, well, what are you talking about? I have a question for you. Why do we keep acting like other Jesus-loving folks and unbelievers should never offend us and will never offend us? Why do we keep acting like that? Why do we keep believing that every Jesus-loving folk in this room is not going to offend you? Why? Why do we go to work and when the jerk boss that's never been to a church service doesn't even claim to know God, he talks bad about me. Why am I surprised by the fact that he's offending me? Okay, you say, well, how does that help us? If we know that it's inevitable that someone is going to offend us, then it helps us because if we live like it's never going to happen, then when it does, it rocks our world. That, that, so here's what I'm trying to teach you. If we would expect it, then we can deflect it. So if I know that before I leave service this morning, there's one of you, at least one of you, I know this every Sunday before I get here, at least one of you are going to tick me off. You're going to do something I don't like. You're going to say something I didn't want to hear. And I'm going to be mad at you. If I expect that, then I can deflect that. And I, and I, and I, I set it up so, man, that doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. So it doesn't have to ruin my life. Doesn't have to ruin my Sunday. It's stupid for me to show up thinking that nobody here is going to park in my parking spot, give me the side eye in the lobby, Forget to shake my hand. No, I come in here expecting that to happen, but it's okay because I expected I could deflect it and it doesn't ruin my life. Okay, 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 okay. I know this is an issue because we say stupid stuff like this. I can't believe they did that. Then that means you were surprised by it. Like, okay, I'm going to help you. I can't believe that pastor said what he said to me. Can't believe it. Why? He's human. I can't believe that that person did me the way they did me. They looked at me like they looked at me in the, the lobby. Truth be told, they probably didn't even really see you. They were seeing the fight they had with their spouse on the way here in their mind and they looked right past you. But if you don't expect to be offended, then when they look at you like that, even though they're not looking at you like that, then you have an issue because you were surprised by it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't call me when I needed them to. What? Did they even know you needed them to? I got ripped last week by an individual who was mad at me because I didn't call them when they were in a time of need. I don't have ESP. I didn't know they were in a time of need, but they were offended by me because they apparently expected me to never make a mistake. Okay, so this is what happens. Disappointment and delusion sets in, but here's the challenge. If I'm full of grace, there's the kicker. If we are followers of Christ, we are supposed to be full of grace. So what happens is then when, when I expect you to offend me because it's inevitable and I expect you maybe to have a bad day and, re, and I recognize that you're holy, you're human, then I can look at you and I can offer you grace. 
I realize um, that just because offenses are inevitable doesn't mean that I have to be offended. Y'all missed it. I, y'all, y'all just missed that right there. Listen, every Sunday you pull up here, every day you breathe, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be offended. And here's the truth we don't like to hear. We have a choice. It's our choice. Just because I have an opportunity to be offended and it's inevitable that I'm going to have that opportunity does not mean I have to accept that opportunity. And so we have to recognize that we don't, ha- we don't have to take the path of least resistance. We can choose not to be offended. I don't have to get mad. Okay, man, it's quiet up in here. Okay, number two, I'm going to get out of your way because some of y'all struggling. We become unoffendable when we unlearn. You say, well, what are you talking about, Steve? I I am just convinced that most of us, maybe not all of us, but I bet 99.9% of the people in this room right now and those watching online, we have been taught to fight. In fact, one of the first words that comes out of our mouth as children is mine. That's a fight. I want what's mine. Yeah. We learn to fight. We, we want to fight. Get the last word in. We've been trained to hit back. Okay, y'all act all holy like y'all glow in the dark, but let me tell you what I taught my two boys. My, I taught my two boys that you take it for a little bit at school, but then when somebody just keeps hit, hitting on you, you don't stand there and be beat up. Hit back! Right? Oh, don't look at me. Some of y'all too. Yeah, we've been taught. We've been taught. Here's what we've been taught. Hurt them before they hurt you. This is what we've been taught. It's a dog-eat-dog world, bro. Get the last word in. So what we do is we, um, we create mottos to, to help us remember to fight. Don't tread on me. We'll put it on our bumper sticker, put it on our T-shirts, We'll even sing songs. Boy, I'm going to go back old school on you. And I know, I know what it's about, but we just apply it to everything. You got to fight for your right to... See, I knew some of y'all. I knew some of y'all. I know who I'm talking to. It's about partying, but we just applied it to everything. You got to fight for your right to be first in line. You got to fight for your right to get your way. You got to fight for your right for them to get your order right at the drive-thru. You got to fight for your right to be treated with respect at work. You got to fight. And we just applied it to everything because we've been taught to fight. But the word never says that we will be known by our fight. See, the, the Bible gets in the way Man, if it wasn't for the Bible, this would be easy. It would be the path of least resistance, right? Stinking Bible. I want one of those Bibles I can erase some stuff out of. I don't know about you, but there's some pages I'd like to rip out. I need to get me a three-ring binder Bible so I can just remove some pages. It never says that we will be known by our fight. What it does say is this. We will be known by our love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the problem is, is that we've not only become known, but we become satisfied by being known as people who fight. 
All you, listen, maybe not in this room, but all you need to do is go read Facebook a little bit, go talk to some people in the community and see what they say about church folks that we're mean, that we're cantankerous, that we like a good fight, that we're argumentative. When we went to Israel, one of the things the Israeli God taught us, because man, when you're walking through Israel, these, these guys standing on every street corner and they're talking li- really loud and they're, it's guttural. They've got guttural sounds in their language. And I'm like, man, they're about to fight. And he's just like, no, Jews just like to argue. Well, apparently that's come through the bloodline. And we are known by our fight. And we need to unlearn what we've been taught by our society. And instead of being known by our quarrel, why don't we become known by our quiet? Let me say that one more time. Instead of being known by our quarrel, because the, the world seems to know everything. We want the world to know everything we're against. But they have no clue what we're for. We become known by our quarrel. Let's become known by our quiet we will I am convinced we will continue to be people who are offended until we once again become people at peace again in fact again Bible gets in the way Jesus makes it clear very clear doesn't it sound more holy when he's playing when I'm talking I love it Uh, maybe he realized you couldn't take it if if he didn't put a little soothe to it Jesus says that peace is a precursor to being blessed. Oh, you don't believe it? I'll read it to you. You want me to read it to you? It's Jesus' word. Here it is. Blessed are those that are ticked off. Yeah. Blessed are those that are thin-skinned. Blessed are those who are a part of, I will fight you at the drop of the hat because I got an opinion and you need to hear it. No, 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 no. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. David declares this in, I, th- I believe it's Psalm 133. I, I shared this with the offices where I work because I, I, I'm, I'm convinced of this. I, I, I mean, I, I did a poll this morning and some people didn't respond. Maybe you all, maybe you are more holy and you'll respond. If you want to live blessed, Now, you know the opposite of blessed is being cursed. So if you don't raise your hand here, then you're saying you want to be cursed, all right? Maybe I should have explained it better in first service. If you're here and you would like to live blessed by God, would you raise your hand? Oh, y'all, yeah, okay. You do know that David declares, it's the only place I can find it. I've looked, I looked, I can't find, there's only one place in scripture where we're told there is a commanded blessing. commanded he's obligated to give it to us and David says that's the place of unity then Paul comes along and he teaches us that if we're going to live unoffended we must learn to contend for peace Paul makes this statement in Romans chapter 12 verse 18 I hate this verse of scripture this is another one I would mark out Paul says this if it is possible as far as it depends on you. That's the part I don't like. In other words, it's not the, the other person's not obligated. We've been given the grace for this. 
If they don't know Jesus, I don't expect them, I don't expect them to operate in this kind of grace. We've been given grace. And Paul says, if it as far if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, he puts the ball in my court, as far as it depends on me. Put your name in there. As far as it depends on Sean, as far as it depends on Sam, as far as it depends on, on, on who, whoever else is in the room. Lauren, Teresa, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So if we wanna fight, then we should fight for peace. Now, let me stop because I know somebody who hasn't been with us in the past may miss this because I don't want you to get this twisted. I have given you very clear instructions over the course of the last few years that there are moments in your life where you will have to draw a line in the sand and you may have to exit a relationship. I've taught you how to know who that is because if there's a difference between Peter who had a bad day and Judas who had a bad heart. And you got to discern. I am not trying to set you up to be a punching bag for someone who is intent on destroying you at every turn. That's not what I'm saying. I am just saying that we must become people where being offended is possible, but living offended is impossible because we recognize the price and the cost of living offended is too high. By the way, this has to be an intentional effort. This is not the easy path. So I have a couple questions and I'll get out of your way. If you win the Facebook argument and you prove that you're right, what do you win? If you win the insult contest, what do you gain? If you get the last word in, it's a good one too, a good zinger. You've thought about it. If they say something else to me, this is what I'm going to say. You get the last word in. You get to give that jerk a piece of your mind. What's accomplished? Can I answer for you? Here it is. Here's what you win. Unanswered prayers. Here's what you gain. Wasted songs. Here's what is accomplished. Wasted times of fasting and listening to good preaching so if we need to fight then let's fight our way back to peace because the enemy knows that if he can get us caught up in fighting if our hands and our hearts are full of offense then when Jesus tries to throw freedom to us we can't catch it we must understand the implications of separation that it produces not only between others, but between us and our Father. And can I remind you, you can go back and read it for yourself. I don't have time. In Genesis, the Bible tells us that the enemy uses a trick with Adam and Eve. He's an old dog with no new tricks. He tells them that God lied to them. Go read it from different versions. One of the versions says, and Adam and Eve were offended at God. Now the enemy has morphed that same lie. It's the same trick. Now he tells us this. Your friend, they lied about you. Your classmate, they don't like you. 
Your boss, he's out to get you. That church folk member right there on your same row that you've been trying to avoid all day, they said something bad about you. And what it does is this, it isolates us. The isolation is caused by speculation and it ends up in separation and he ends up slaying us. So you have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We can have services. You can listen to preaching. You can sing all you want. But if we don't learn to live unoffended, you should have slept in. Father, we need your help. Father, Steve needs your help. We need your help as we try to navigate this because we recognize that offenses are inevitable. We recognize that our culture has taught us and continues to try to teach us that we should fight for everything and about everything and in the process we lose our peace. So I'm praying over passion people today and myself included that you would help us to learn how to navigate offense. That we would have the ability, a God-given Holy Spirit empowered ability to differentiate between people who have a bad day and people who have a bad heart we wouldn't throw those away that have a bad day instead we would restore them help us Jesus help us to live unoffended help us to be unsurprised by offense when somebody we love offends us help us to offer grace when somebody we don't love offends us help us to offer grace help us to unlearn because we want to be blessed everybody in this room wanted to be blessed so father we pray that you'd help us to be peacemakers in a crazy chaotic anger filled world would you help us to be peacemakers every head bowed every eye closed if you're here this morning you say Steve I I don't know Jesus I'm not in relationship with him but I know this I want to be blessed And I recognize I cannot live like you're talking about living on my own. I've tried and at every turn I get angry and I get hurt. But I want to live like Jesus and I recognize the first step of that is I have to give my life to him. And I have to allow him to become the Lord, the Savior of my life. Is that you? Would you raise your hand? You can pull it right back down. We will not embarrass you. Yes. Let's pray this together. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Thank you for dying on a cross, coming back to life after three days so that I could have access to the Father. Rule and reign over my life. Help me to live by your standards. Help me to live like you. Help me to live unoffended, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for an incredible... It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.